A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Today we've got a great revenge story revealing why you don't antagonize your lawyer. We'll get into that in a bit, but first, pull down my pants? Don't dish it if you can't take it. This happened to my mom, not me, which is almost worse. When my mom was in her 40s, we were taking the bus. A younger guy got on, maybe early 20s. He was sagging his pants real low, nearly under his butt, so you basically see his t-shirt, then a lot of boxer, then the pants belted on. My mom hated that and decided she had the right to try and embarrass him. She yanked on his jeans and pantsed him, causing them to pool at his ankles. He reacted way more calmly than I would have if that had been done to me. He pulled his pants back up and then yanked on her sweats, causing her pants to fall down. She was way more embarrassed because her underwear was these horrible, giant granny panties. I honestly don't think she learned anything that day, but props to the guy for such good petty revenge. So, in this situation, if somebody does that to you and pants you like that, Do you have the green light to turn around and do that back to them? If you were a juror in that jury box sitting there deciding on the fate of this guy, would you say that he was clear in the situation? Also, hi, I'm Steven, and if you guys enjoy awesome stories of revenge, why not hit those like and subscribe buttons down below? That said, our next story is, My Neighbors Won't Stop Screaming Between 2 to 4 a.m. This last week, my neighbors who I share my bedroom wall with had been screaming and shouting between 2am and 4am. I have not been able to sleep for a week. This last Tuesday, they were having a party from 1.30 to 5am. Not like a super big thing, but they had some people over and were yelling and playing loud music. We knocked on the wall at around 2.30am so they would shut up. Their response was screaming back at us through the wall, cursing at us and calling us jerks and threatening to beat us up. At this point, we just called the police, but that didn't do much. They just turned off the music and kept being jerks, screaming the whole night. My apartment complex won't do anything to fix it and said it was pretty much up to us to contact the police when this happens. We tried talking to them, but they won't open the door. Last night, they started again, and I was so fed up, I gave them three gentle knocks. They seem like aggressive people, so I didn't want to agitate them. They then started to knock aggressively 10 times on the wall and screaming. At this point, I literally woke up, got dressed, and ran to their apartment. When they opened, the girls that had been so aggressive started acting all innocent and surprised that we had a noise complaint. Her excuse was, I am here all day and I always hear you making so much noise throughout the day, stepping hard on the floor and all, and even hear you freaking at night. Mind you, we live in the first floor, so there's no way she heard the steps. I told her that I work 7 to 5 and go to the gym 6 to 9 p.m. and then go to sleep early so it's impossible that she heard me, even the sex part. We are not loud at all, especially because we know how thin the walls are. They tried to act stupid and kept claiming they were not making any noise, and the conversation ended with her saying that they'll be moving out in two days. I'm thinking this is a lie, honestly. I start work from home tomorrow, and I'm planning on blasting some metal music full volume on the wall at 8am, as I assume they'll be asleep at that time. The situation is honestly taking a toll on my health, as I'm sleep deprived and constantly agitated. 
I mean, I would just say if they're being legitimately annoying, stay on your landlord. I mean, just annoy the heck out of them as much as they're annoying you. At some point, maybe they would address it, right? Our next story is, let your buddy put gum in my hair? Enjoy your new truck's leather interior with the same. So this happened years ago, but I was recently reminded of the whole thing by a friend who thinks I was too extreme, even now over two decades later. The summer of 1999, I'd just gotten a new, to me, bike and spent every day lazily biking through the wealthy neighborhood development our trailer was backed up to. Basically empty lots and woods with roads, but very few had sold and been built on back then. I pretty quickly met Evan, who was a year older, and with parents who seemed to give even less of a crap how he spent his time than my mom. We began hanging out every day. We found an old abandoned shed and would spend most of our time there. Things turned sexual pretty fast. I was shocked as a fat girl this hot guy was into me and he seemed to really eat up any type of positive attention. So as you can imagine, I was building romantic fairy tales and he was encouraging whatever got him what he wanted such as assuring me he was in love and how sexy or beautiful he found me. We, for the span of a summer, were deliriously happy. When school started back up, he wouldn't acknowledge he knew me, let alone that we'd been together. Even as an adult, I hate how pathetic I feel at the way he treated me those first two weeks. He tried to convince me to have a secret relationship while also being pretty harsh about my never talking to him at school, especially in front of his friends. I broke things completely off and stopped meeting him at all after about a month. His best friend was in my algebra class and sat right behind me, which turned into a solid hour of him hissing insults and mooing at me. I wasn't being singled out, he was just that nasty to everyone he could bully. But I did make the mistake of looking to Evan for help or a reaction once in the hallways when the friend was saying something nasty. The teasing was about what you'd imagine, oh Evan watch out the piggy's hungry for your meat etc. The following week, I ended up on the bleachers in front of them at a pep rally. I kept hearing the friends snickering and whispering behind me and I was determined to ignore them even when I felt them tugging my hair. Later, a girl told me I had gum in my hair. It wasn't just one piece though, it was dozens of small clusters stuck in clumps throughout the back of my hair. I had a bit of a breakdown and used scissors to hack all my hair off. Like, my mom had to take me to the barber and buzz it all to a one to even it out kind of hacked it off. I guess I really thought that would make Evan sorry because he'd always made a big deal about how soft and thick my hair was and how much he loved it. Now it was gone because he sat by it and let his friends do this to me. That didn't happen. Evan made sure to never so much as look at me again. And when I went to the shed where we'd met before at one point to hide out from my mom, who was making my depression and hair thing into something I was putting her through, it had been burned down. The next few months were really awful for me. I found out Evan had gotten a brand new truck for Christmas. His parents might not be attentive, but they had money. He also got a girlfriend who was pretty, skinny, and into purity culture. They exchanged those promise rings and she would not shut up about how sweet he was about waiting for her. Virgins together, forever until marriage, yada yada. Meanwhile, the few friends I had before distanced themselves because the teasing had turned to calling me a lesbian psycho, except in much nastier ways, with my new haircut. The only real friend I had left lived one town over, but he had a car, so we hatched a plan. I started collecting gum, and we basically stalked him for a month of weekends until we lucked out to find his truck unlocked outside the movie theater while he took his forever love on a date. We spent over an hour chewing through 17 packs of gum. 
and covering his leather interior and carpets with it. My buddy even worked it into the radio and air vents. I wish I could say this made me happy or feel like we were even, but honestly the fact that he never pointed the finger at me, so he didn't have to go into the why of it, took most of the joy out of it for me. It was huge news in school and even around town for a long time. I know he knew who did it, but he never even tried to confront me about it. Perversely, his friend, my biggest bully that year, did apologize to me a few years later, and he confessed to being the one who put the gum in my hair. He even said Evan had tried to get him to stop after the first piece, and my shaving my head really made him think about how awful he was to me. I hadn't even noticed his disappearance from my life then, or in years after in my misery over Evan. He was shocked to learn about the secret relationship I'd had with Evan because so many guys had teased Evan about being a virgin with a girlfriend who wanted him to stay that way until marriage. Anyway, I don't really tell this story to anyone in my life, but recently a friend was discussing how stupid could a girl be to have a secret relationship. I'm not ashamed, but it's still quite painful how many horrible things I was going through at the time. She seemed shocked that I feel no remorse, and I think it's ruined our friendship, but I just can't fake it. Anyway, that's all. I was reminded of it and thought I'd share and get a broader outside perspective on it all, I guess. Nothing like a nice reminder of how cruel kids can be, let alone the fact that this guy utterly used OP. Definitely takes a lot to experience something like that and be able to bounce back from it. And I think you can definitely understand why OP did what they did, and honestly not even be shocked that they have no remorse over it. In a situation like this, if a friend divulged all of this info... I almost think it's to such a degree that you should take it, maybe process it internally, and then try to forget it and let it go, because it's such just a overall traumatic moment in their life. Our next story is, Petty Tyrant Humiliates Himself, I Facilitate. Life is full of awesome what-ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This is a long time ago when I worked in a software call center. I had recently had a baby and was working part-time from home. Work from home was a very new concept. I was one of the first to try all this and there were plenty of people in management who did not approve of this and assumed I was slacking off and to be fair, I wasn't working standard hours as I negotiated a late shift to support clients on the other side of the country, working until 8pm so my husband could look after the baby. My boss loved this as otherwise he would have to pay overtime for out-of-hours calls. We had to record time on each client so they could be billed. They had a separate reporting system. I had to manually enter the client, incident number, time spent, and run the report, then press submit at the end of the week. This report was the responsibility of another manager who insisted that I had to submit the report by 5pm on Friday so he could review the numbers Monday first thing. 
He would email me every Friday at 5pm to say it was late again. I would explain over and over that I work until 8pm and I would be submitting it that night. He just would not understand. Whatever, I didn't report to him. So I started to ignore him, which in retrospect was a mistake. So one week, I received an email. This had been copied to every single layer of management above me, complaining bitterly about people who submit the report late every single week. It was obviously targeting me. I felt very isolated working from home and felt like he was turning everyone in the office against me. Work from home can be isolating as we all now know. I went into the reporting tool and searched around and found an option to check for late submissions, pressed it and entered my name. It came up with one late entry. Turns out the submission deadline was Sunday evening and my submissions were all on time. I pressed reply all on the email and attached a print screen of the report. Before pressing send, I checked more closely on the one late submission, which was entered first thing Monday morning. I searched my emails and found an email to this guy. You see, I had taken a one week vacation a couple of months prior and you could not enter your time in advance. So I emailed him and asked him to enter it in my absence and that was my one late submission. I attached a print screen of that as well. I rewrote my response many times ranging from snippy, thanks for wasting my time, to hurt, I don't know why I'm being targeted like this. But in the end, I deleted all additions and sent just the print screens. I did add my immediate boss, who had been mysteriously left off of the original email. I never received any response to that email, but my boss called me howling with laughter. Everyone was talking about it. Suck it, Trevor. I love any situation where somebody tries to be malicious, but leaves their trail so blatantly there that you can just point it out to somebody. They make it so easy to put things straight and make themselves look like a moron. Our next story is Petty or Pro Revenge? You be the judge. Many years ago, I was walking on Van Ness Ave in San Francisco, about 20 paces in front of another random guy going the same direction. A meter lady parked her little cart on our side of the street and gone to write tickets on the other side. We San Franciscans suffered greatly from meter people. It was City Hall's big revenue scam. This guy, seeing his chance, checks that the meter lady is preoccupied, then reaches down into the cart, removes the keys, walks another six paces, and casually drops them down a storm drain. I was so impressed. I mean, that person's just doing their job, right? I can't imagine the kind of trouble that they're going to get into when it's found out that they, whether it's directly their fault or not, lost the keys to this cart. Lord knows they're going to make that own lady pay up to get the replacement keys for it. Our next story is, one upper was taken down a notch. I had a coworker, Lorna, who was very insecure and would compensate with having or knowing more than everyone else. She would interrupt conversations to share what she knew. Another coworker, Sandy, and I were in a book club together. Lorna sees us talking and says she loved the book. I pretty much didn't think she read it because it's historical fiction and Lorna thinks history is boring. Sandy asks me if I think we should invite Lorna to the book club meeting. I said that would be great. She then sends Lorna the details and mentions she has a list of good questions for the group. At the night of the book club, Sandy starts out with a specific question about the book. All but Lorna answer. She asks another question and Lorna excuses herself to go to the bathroom. When she returns, she says she has to leave because her daughter's car broke down and needs a ride home. The next couple of days, Lorna is distant with me at work. At one point, she asks me how did the rest of the book club go, and I said it was great. 
We enjoyed the first volume so much that we planned to read the next volume. She said that I could have told her the host asked questions. She said she had never heard of book clubs that had questions. I invited her to the next meeting and was given a defiant no as an answer. Honestly, I would say this could have been a bridge to reach out to them and be like, listen, I know you didn't read it. Let's just work on being a little bit more forward sometimes, right? You don't have to know everything more than everybody else. That's okay, you're human, you're Lorna. This next story is Veggie Tray Revenge. Yesterday, I was running to the grocery store to pick up an item from the deli counter that I needed to make dinner. The line was long, so I waited for about 10 minutes. A woman and her husband saw the line, decided they didn't want to wait to put in their veggie tray order for the weekend, five days away, and jumped in front of me right as it was my turn. I protested, politely saying, I'm sorry, but I was actually next. They looked at me and turned back to the counter and started their order. I don't think the worker heard me, but they certainly did. It really upset me. Why didn't I stick up for myself better? My time is valuable too. Why didn't I see this coming and prevent it? I was really stewing on it. In fact, I made a promise to myself to not let people treat me with disrespect and not do anything about it. I don't know why people look at me and know I won't say or do anything. About an hour later, it dawned on me. I stood next to them while they placed their order for a vegetable tray. I heard their name, phone number, and when they planned to pick it up. I love vegetables. So this Saturday, I'm going to arrive an hour before their scheduled pickup time and get myself a carefully curated veggie tray. I'll still pay for it since it isn't prepaid, so no crime committed. I mean, to be fair, what are they going to say? You showed up, you can give them all the information they need. As far as they're concerned, hey, enjoy your veggie tray. Our next story is, was that too sweet? Oops. So this story is from when I, 30 year old female, was about 12. I wouldn't do these things today. So when I was a kid, after years of steroids, I'd gained some weight. So I was a little plump. Looking back at pics, it was kind of cute chubby, not even anything to make fun of, which I was of course school and at my dad's by my step <clears throat> I mean mother, she used to wait until the room was full, loads of friends and family, and then poke at me to take off my coat. Dad was never in the room. Also, dad told her beforehand I wear my coat as I feel insecure about my weight. She would do this all the time, until dad eventually just started picking me up, just me and him for time together, as he knew we wouldn't get on. One time she actually burst into tears claiming I'd said something to her, I don't know what, and ran into the room. I obviously looked puzzled. My dad comforted me and I don't know what he'd said to her but she never tried the crocodile tears again. My dad knows I wouldn't say or do anything to hurt anyone. So here's the petty revenge. I couldn't really do more than petty, I was an awkward shy kid. So it was my turn to make tea. And I remember her being so loud and clear how she wanted no sugar. So, my young self opened the kettle lid and grabbed a big rock of sugar. I shoved as much of it as I could in before anyone came back. She was the only one that didn't take sugar and that wanted tea. So in my stupid 12 year old mind, it was logical too. She never said a thing to me but was just running about with the kettle, washing it. What's she gonna do? Tell my dad? I was literally the perfect kid. Zero fights, zero attitude shy and quiet and it took me years to find my voice oh also i think i was 11 here but she had a favorite mascara and bragged about i don't need makeup i only need mascara so well 
I took it home as my little trophy. My dad finally realized her true colors and is with a beautiful and amazing woman now who is so kind and treats him how he deserves. I'd have spoken up even sooner, even being a kid, if I'd known he wasn't happy, but I didn't know. Anyways, that's my petty revenge story. Sometimes it pays off to be the kid that's literally known to be so good that they just would not believe somebody that said you acted up. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. And hey, it's much nicer hearing a story like this where the dad unequivocally believes their kid is infallible of doing any of that and still not be either an entitled parent or straight up the opposite and just believing the step monster over anything you have to say, even if it's totally illogical. This next story is Unintended Petty Revenge. Hopped on a full bus today with a large and heavy shopping bag. The only available seat was beside a woman who was sitting sideways her knees resting against half the seat beside her. She didn't move when I sat down and only budged a bit when I edged in so as to not block the aisle. It turns out that we're both getting off at the same stop. She's behind me. I hold back to let an elderly person off the bus. She then tries to push past me, but I said words to the effect of, there's no need, we're all getting off here, and blocked her. Besides, I was in front. I descend slowly, carrying my heavy shopping bag, She immediately rushes past and I see her run for a connecting bus, which is just pulling out. Too late. I felt a bit bad, but not much. It certainly wasn't intentional. And it's not the done thing to push past people without so much as an excuse me plus magic word. If I were an OP situation, I get why they acted the way they did, but I still would feel pretty bad seeing them miss their connecting bus. I'd be like, oh, dang, and then I'd be looking to quickly get out of there. God forbid there's any more confrontation after that point. Our next story is, I posted this in a comment and was told to bring it over here. Revenge on a roommate from heck. I had a nightmare roommate. I let a lot of things go, but her behavior got worse. The final straw was when she borrowed my car, caused $1,000 worth of damage, then brought it back with the bill. After months of back and forth about the bill and breaking our lease, all while going through some really tough personal crap, the day came when we were moving out. She wasn't there that day, but her laptop was. She left it in her room on top of her boxes playing music. Intrusive thoughts said, freak with her. So I did. Select all on iTunes, plus changed every song title and every artist name and album name to my name. I grabbed the rest of my stuff and got out before she got back. Petty as freak I know but it was very satisfying picturing her face when she found it. Plus, this isn't like something that OP could be charged for, right? If it's just an open computer sitting there, like what recourse could you have? You can't call the cops and be like, yeah, I left my computer unlocked and they changed all of my song titles. Who's going to waste their resources dealing with that? Our next story is Trash Company and their trash employees. This was in the 90s. There was this company that had a virtual monopoly on the local trash removal and they would be entirely capricious in the amount they'd bill. No two bills would ever be the same. 
they would find some lame reasons to overcharge me every month. Even though I had the one single standard can before curbside recycling, they'd just tack on bullcrap extra charges and there wasn't anything you could do about it. Calling them made no difference. They were horrible. It was like calling the billing department at the mafia. This was back in the days before you'd be able to set up automatic debit payments. You would get a paper bill in the mail and send them a check in the return envelope that was provided. It was also still the era when every month you'd get a bank statement in the mail which included the actual cancelled checks that you'd written from the bank along with the statement. Cue the petty revenge. Every time I would write them their stupid check, I would fold it so that it was precisely the exact height as the return envelope and would insert the check turned at a right angle so that the folded crease of the check was resting firmly along the bottom edge of the return envelope. I knew that when the payments were processed, the trash company would use an automated letter opener to open the thousands of payments they'd get in the mail each month. These automatic letter opening machines would slice open the bottom edge of each envelope, Since my check was folded in half in such a manner that the crease would be right along the bottom edge of the envelope, every single check I sent them would be sliced in two. When I'd get these checks back as a cancelled check in my bank statements each month, the check was scotch taped back together before it could be deposited. I feel like this is a very calculated form of revenge. You have to have knowledge of these automatic letter opening machines and how they work to precisely plan the placement of these checks. I mean, it's really good revenge. All the way up until the point where they still freak with you and say that you missed your payment or you sent them a bad check. This next story is, don't antagonize your lawyer while you're selling your company. I was an in-house lawyer in a multinational company that sold software. I specifically joined this relatively lesser known company to learn more about compliance. The company was listed on the stock exchange, meaning more compliance work. I highlighted this specifically as one of the reasons for my seeking out a change. I discovered it was filled with senior citizens, not an age thing, when I joined. Basically, a company full of old timers who were there purely because they're close to the company's owners. As part of the onboarding experience, I had to sit through sermons of how they changed the industry and how they know so and so. This meant I had three different bosses. One senior guy who was the fixer, I'll call him senior guy one for convenience. No one really knew what he did, but he got a cabin to himself. Another was an ex-senior management guy who got a gig from the owner to negotiate tech contracts. Senior guy two. I highlight this because this ex-senior management guy asked me, what's a EULA? Another was my reporting manager with whom I was expected to work on a day-to-day basis. Senior guy three. One month after joining, I was told that the company was going private through a sale to another entity. I was shocked, but I had loans to pay, so I continued. For some reason, I was senior enough for them to handle this independently. This meant I worked through nights to complete tasks that a law firm would ordinarily do. I also worked on the definitive agreement that was in use for the company to be sold. This will become important later. By the third month, I had decided the role wasn't what was advertised, and I was essentially cheap labor for mergers and acquisitions. Buyers were from another city and planned to have their office there. I was not keen on moving. I read between the lines and started lining up interviews. Things went south quickly. Old timers were unhappy that I was looking for a job because that would mean they're answerable to owners or worse, have to do the work themselves. 
Cue the harassment, which really solidified my resolve to leave. All my complaints about Senior Guy 1 and 2 to Senior Guy 3 were met with typical management talk. He sympathized and badmouthed them for burdening the company that he tolerates only because they're closer to the owner. Senior Guy 2 started countering all my remarks and comments on drafting on email. Even minor agreement points required discussion. If it was his mistake, then we had a call. However, if Senior Guy 2 raised the point, it suddenly made commercial sense. This wasn't my first rodeo. I really didn't care about proving a point because I wanted out as soon as possible. Any pushback, fights are going to be on deaf ears because from where I am, labor laws are, at best, recommendations unless you're unionized. The only option is to leave. I was ticked and tired of being pushed over, but I wondered if it was just me angry at the whole situation and finding faults. I had an opportunity to test my theory, so in one of the contracts that we were drafting, I made some comments and sent them to Senior Guy too. As expected, he countered with verbal suggestions on the phone, which didn't make sense, obviously. However, because he's senior, I had to do the song and dance to explain the points. So I arranged for the call, explained to him and documented this on email, attributing each verbal recommendation, time of call, and the decisions suggested by him. Then I sent this back to him for approval. However, this time I CC'd my boss, Senior Guy 3, and asked for his approval on recommendations. Surprisingly, this practice was entirely new to them. Both of them were ticked at me. Senior Guy 2 and 3 were not happy. Senior Guy 2 was being questioned for the first time on email, and Senior Guy 3 couldn't ignore my email as the head of my department. Unsurprisingly, I got a single-line non-answer from Senior Guy 3, basically asking me to discuss this with Senior Guy 2, followed by a verbally heated instruction to just do what Senior Guy 2 wants and not bother him. Now, I wasn't sure that this was going to work for me in the short term or the long term, so I resigned and gave my notice period of one month since I was on probation. Senior Guy 3 was ticked because he thought the notice period was for three months and the sale of the company was expecting to close in one to two months. Cue the one-month harassment that typically follows in any toxic work environment after you resign. On the last working day, I walked up to Senior Guy 3's cabin and did the obligatory thank you communication. He basically told me that I'm picking a huge fight and he will see that I never get employed in the industry again. He also told me that he is not going to pay me my full and final settlement of dues and a relieving letter, a huge deal in India to get to your next job. Employers hold off on these as blackmail for troublesome employees. His tone implied that there is very little I could do because they were all senior guys and they been there, done that. I wasn't the first disgruntled employee for him. I said my goodbyes. I got IT to confirm that I've returned the company's assets and CC'd my personal email. However, I was ticked as well at the whole ordeal and had made up my mind not to show this on my CV. Revenge starts here. I call it my one-two shot. Shot one. Once I left, I spoke with my friend and decided to serve a legal notice, detailing the ordeal and treatment meted out to me. Ordinarily, the legal notice barely makes a difference, as the management is usually thick-skinned about it. However, the legal notice was also sent to the owners, not just the company. This wasn't really required, but I did it anyway. Turns out many directors were ticked at Senior Guy 1, 2, and 3, but were quiet just waiting to sell this company out. 
My act of involving the owners meant the entire board, including outside directors, mandatory for listed entities. This turned into a festival of explanations by all three in front of the owners. From what I hear, they all had to personally take leave to meet the owners, as shareholders, and explain themselves as naughty kids. Needless to say, everyone in the company was talking about it. I waited for one month to see if the notice had any effect, aside from them being chided like kids. Expectedly, I got no response, but I knew from the grapevine that they now had to spend on a law firm to reply to me because shareholders were aware of this information. I had made my point, but now I wanted more. I really didn't want to drag it because I was also looking for jobs and had loans to pay. However, their template management response, this time with HR copied, basically implied that since I'd left without notice, they were evaluating all options, including considering me AWOL. Senior guy too basically threatened me that he will not pay me my dues or my relieving letter, evidencing service and imply that there is very little I can do about it. Petty that I am, I made plans to get both. Shot 2. Since I had access to the definitive agreement and remembered huge details about it, having worked with law firms through the agreement in detail, I was aware of who stays and goes. I made sure to speak to those who were going to let go. Cue mass resignations and missed deadlines. I knew the specific approvals that would trigger because of this transaction, so I spoke to the authority who would approve this transaction as a disgruntled employee. The authority made their own inquiries. The owners got spooked. It was definitely not serious enough to scare them into thinking that the deal won't get approved, but the mere fact that a government authority was calling them meant they now had to deal with the authority which would have never happened if it wasn't for me. Result. Buyer used this as a low-value bargaining chip, citing bad employee experience and resignation of several key members on key projects. I got my dues in relieving letter, evidencing service, within 48 hours of shot two. Company got gossip for years on how the management was dumb enough to mess with a lawyer, including a sermon from owners on how to not upset employees when they're trying to sell the company. Senior guy one and two were left red-faced, but survived because of old ties. However, their contracts were not renewed. Senior guy 3 who threatened me became a consultant after the company was sold. Honestly, they put way too much faith in believing that they are so tenured, they've got such good ties and they've been around for too long that they're unstoppable. You always gotta root for a person who's facing this old guard mentality and comes in and gives them a real reality check. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now, if you want to hear another awesome revenge story, check out that video on the left. Or if you missed my latest video, check out that video on the right. That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories.